I'm Kevin Bachman. On this podcast episode of Background Check Radio, you'll hear a webinar I did this week with Ben Brugler, the CEO of IKEA Communications. IKEA is a full-service marketing communications company just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Now, full disclosure, my wife is the COO there, but there's a pretty big wall, (laughs) a big separation of church and state between her business and mine. But Ben and I have been talking for a while about doing a webinar on this topic, which is how to better help organizations recruit and retain workers. And Ben and I felt no time was more appropriate to do this than right now. After all, hiring is surging and the number one complaint talent acquisition leaders have is how to fill open positions. But looming right around the corner is a potential mass exodus of employees, which if not stopped, makes the recruiter's job even harder. So while you may not feel this fits exactly within the confines of screening, it really does, and there's two reasons why. First, any solutions you can bring to the table as screeners, say ideas or solutions you've seen your other clients, other employers implement, that can certainly help right? You're being part of the solution for them. Second, some of us have open positions as screeners, and we can't be so naive to think that all employees are going to leave all the other companies, but definitely not ours. So (laughs) there's some good ideas here on how, when, and where a strong internal communications team can help both better recruit and better mitigate employee turnover. Anyways, this was a fun one to do, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording. Here goes. All right, I think we're going to start. We're a minute past, um, and I promise uh, we we won't probably end this early, but I promise we will do our best to end it on time. Uh, We'll get, and by on time, I mean that five minute buffer. Um, for those of you that have a meeting at two, um, so you're not racing into it. But I, I'm very excited about this. This is the second um, piece in the um, Future of Work series. Um, you know, the the first one was kind of a look at what's next. And we talked about a lot of things from, you know, gen, all the different generations to um, how you can stand out to what that actually looks like. And now here we are zooming in a little bit um, on some of the, um, maybe one of the biggest challenges that companies have had to face in, oh, I don't know, since last year um, with hiring people and talent retention and talent recruiting. Um, and this, this, the fact that we are in a very real uh, labor shortage here. And uh, I brought in a, I brought in some help, which I'll get into in a minute. Very excited to have uh, a good friend and a, uh, 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 very expert opinion and insights uh, that he brings uh, on what's going on in the labor market. So uh, Kevin and I are going to jump in a little bit here soon together, and I will give him a proper introduction. But um, I thought we would start um, with really just kind of first, before we get into the specifics of today, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, if you've ever been on a presentation with me or if you were on the last one, um, very casual. I would actually, you know, if you have a question, throw it in a chat. If you have it's at the it's at the private, so I'll see it. Um, and if not, somebody will let me know. It's there. Um, we are, you know, if you have questions, um, definitely have some time for that. 
but really just kind of want to share some insights with you. Um, my style is kind of a human aggregator role. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on things that I'm seeing that I think are, um, you know, you would find insightful or helpful in terms of what's going on, but then how you could take it back in an actionable way um, to your company and in a way to actually have an impact uh, on this challenge that we're having right now. So um, want to make sure I hit on those things. The, the kind of the overview of the presentation today, um, you know, we're going to cover three areas that get into the details around some of the labor challenges that companies are having. Um, the first and maybe the most important is the messaging. Are you connecting? You know, what, what are employees hearing? What are you saying? Is there a gap? How are they looking at it? How are you looking at it? Um, that's where Kev's going to join us and, and really get into some, some really um, great insights into ways you could be focused and maybe um, tweaking uh, some of the messaging in terms of how you're approaching labor uh, challenges today. Second's channels. Uh, I'm going to jump in and talk about that. Um, if you were on the last one, we talked about um, communication challenges for uh, the different uh, generations that are in the workforce today. Um, I'm going to cover it from the channels perspective of how you're recruiting uh, to the different generations that are in the workforce today. So kind of a, a swing chapter here in the presentation that'll um, kick us into the third piece, which is retention. Um, and one that I think we'll probably get our hands around a little bit more in a, in, a, in a conversational and casual way where Kevin and I are both gonna talk about the retention aspect of, yes, you're out here trying to promise new and potential place, come work for us, come work for us. But what about those guys that have been there all year, you know, for the last year through the pandemic? It's like, hey, what about us? Uh, we don't wanna lose that because, you know, we, we have a great workforce. We wanna add to it, not be subtracting from it. And there's, as you're gonna see, a lot, of, a lot of job openings and a lot of people going after not only people on the market, but um, people that may not be on the market. So you wanna be sure that you're doing everything you can to retain uh, those employees as well. So that being said, um, the last presentation, if you weren't here, I opened up with some numbers that were kind of, um, you know, give us a soft opening into the topic. And I wanted to do the same here because um, there's some, as is always the case, if we're talking about it, there must be a reason. And the reason is, this is a major challenge right now. The labor shortage, the staffing shortage is a major challenge. And the thought is, you know, how did we get here? Over the last um, year, you know, a lot has happened. And, you know, while all of these different things, how to get the, through the pandemic, how to work remotely, all, all these different challenges, a weird thing happened. We got through it. And as we got through it, we we're like, whoa, we need to staff up. And the, the labor shortage is very real. So do the numbers support that to show that you know, what we're actually seeing? And yes, they do. And they're, they're, they're pretty big. So I wanted to get into them a little bit with you just to show you some you probably know. This is, and these are all sourced, but some you probably know, but some you might not know just, just how much of a challenge we're up against. So the first 9.3 million job openings in April of 2021. That is a lot of job openings. We haven't seen a number that high since the previous month. 8.3 million in March of 2021. Um, kind of going in the wrong direction there if we're talking about you know the shortage and, and how we're trying to actually um, deal with this and, and support this. So it's very real. Um, you know we're seeing so many um, challenges around it, but the fact is is the challenges are real because this is real. The numbers are going up. Um, and that's the highest you might be thinking, okay, well that seems like a lot. That's actually the highest since 2000. That, and let that sink in, 20 plus years, we haven't seen a shortage uh, this magnitude in over 20 years. 
Um, so, you know, what we say about like a lot of kind, that's when I, I don't want to say, that's when I entered the workforce, Kev. You know, I, I came into the workforce in 2000 and that's a long freaking time. So when you think about it, you know, we're saying like, well, what have you seen? Well, let's see, I've, I've seen a, a national disaster. I've seen labor shortages. I've seen a, a, a pandemic, a once in a generation pandemic, a housing shortage. We've seen it all in these 20 years. And we talked about that in the last presentation about how um, leadership has had at all levels of an organization have had to deal with some of the most unique challenges. Here's another one, but we're ready for it, right? I mean, we came through last year. We can we can deal with this. We can we can tackle this. Um, if you're wondering, which I was, and this is a great part of the article that uh, I'm sourcing here, is the the market that was hit the hardest, leisure and hospitality. And I think that's probably not surprising because they had the dip that they did in the pandemic. But now that everybody is wanting to go, the Roaring Twenties Part Two is happening, and everybody's wanting to go back out on vacation and stay in hotels and restaurants and everything else. It went like this, and these restaurants and and, and these industries are dealing with the shortage even in a more unique way because the demand isn't just you know it's not it's not a, an aspect of demand. It's happening. It's there. So you have your people that are overworked and they're trying to come up with all these unique ways to handle it. Um, so that's a sector that not surprisingly probably to you is being hit the hardest. This was interesting to me, um, you know, cause we talk about you know, why people might not be coming to work or you know, some of the things that they're challenged with. Well, we came through a really scary time as we mentioned. And one of the factors here is we have 9.3 million unemployment roles, which is you know, people um, that are you know, wanting to claim unemployment benefits. Um, for a lot of different reasons. And that was that it was in May 2021. So this is just last month. Um, and the reason is, you know, childcare issues um, that are very documented, very real over the last year, pandemic fears, and then the really the unemployment benefits that are there, both at the federal and state level, that's not a political statement, that's just a very objective statement, have helped, have contributed to this. And this is, again, a number that's really influencing the challenge that we have right now. Um, and if you're trying to get some perspective, just like we said, the highest since 2000, that's 3.6 million higher than it was pre-pandemic. So it's not like, um, you know, it's, oh, by the we made it through the pandemic, but oh, by the way, you now have these numbers that are not just close to pre-pandemic, they're blowing way past they were pre-pandemic. So we have to figure out how to work remotely, how to onboard employees, how to get ramped back up in the supply chain, how to deal with shortages in the supply chain, how to deal with inflation. And oh, by the way, we got to figure out how to do it with a labor shortage. So again, not trying to beat um, a dead horse here, but the reality is very, very clear when you look at the numbers in this regard that these are very unique situations and times that we're dealing with that we may not have expected fully a year ago. So what about the quits rate? You know, so how how confident do people feel? You know, part of it's like I think sometimes when we think of these job openings as that people don't want to work. And I've heard that from a lot of people. Well, that might be, but as some of the unemployment um, benefits start to curb back or roll back at the state level, um, there's other reasons. You know, and this quit rate, that's a sign of employee confidence that they can go find a job somewhere else, is up. It's almost 11% uh, over the previous month, which is, and this is uh, from last month as well, over the previous month, totaling nearly 4 million quits. So we're not only dealing with trying to fill open positions that we know about, we're talking about now having to be prepared to deal with more open positions as, as they're becoming available and open more quickly. Um, so not only we have to, we're, we're kind of dealing with things on two separate fronts, three, if you add that retention factor in. So again, a lot on your guys's plate, a lot on your organization's plate, 
how can we start to think about putting uh, you know these things, these ideas back into action so we can contribute to solving the issue is where we're gonna be going here when uh, Kevin comes up to join us here in a second. So if you're wondering, those quit rates, two times the amount in 2020. And that's just really to continue to give you that perspective of what we're dealing with. That's a third number now, a third metric that we look at from the economy standpoint that shows us that we're dealing with really, you know, I won't say once in a lifetime, once every 20 years, you know, these are numbers that are very, um, you know, are very real in terms of what we've never seen before or haven't seen at least, you know, I've been in the industry for 21 years now, clearly the first time I'm seeing something like that or having to deal with that. So the big number here, and this is kind of going to jump us off because I think, and then Kevin's going to talk about this in a second, because I think this is where a lot of people think, um, you know, it's a quick fix. And I think anybody that's in a position, companies you're, you're at or you're helping, they realize it's not a quick fix. But this number kind of shows that a little bit. I think it's a little misleading. But job switchers earned an extra 13% wages at their new position. That's probably not surprising. It's a big number, no doubt. But it's not surprising because you know, they're trying to incentivize and recruit with something. If you're going to leave a job or you have that confidence, you're doing it for a couple of reasons. Money is, is going to be one. But the issue there is I think people think the answer is easy. It's companies just need to pay more. Well, all those things we just showed you, all those numbers, there's a lot of factors at play there. Yes, the, the impact of the effects of the pandemic are still being felt in terms of people wanting to go back to work, wanting to go back into an office. I keep reading articles, our, our, our CEO and I talk a lot about this. You know, one article after another, I'd rather quit than go back to the office. These are scary numbers, just scary articles if you're if you're in leadership and trying to you know, staff a team and staff a, a company. So it, it can't just be about the money, but I think a lot of times people do think that. So, but what I think is a good transition point for us, and I'm going to introduce Kevin next, is the messaging around that. You know, how do you actually look past the financial aspect of it and think it has a little bit less to do with the money and more to do with the connections that you could be making in the messaging and in the channels that I'll come back up and talk about uh, after Kev. So, who's Kev? Who's Kevin? I keep talking about. So, good friend. Uh, and uh, uh, an expert in this area, Kevin Bachman, I told him I would not read his bio. Um, you can see it. I, I told him I'd basically rip on the fact he's a Yankees fan long enough for people to read it themselves. Um, but don't hold that against him. You are going, you are in for a treat. We are so happy to have Kevin joining us. His, his perspective uh, on 20 years, 20 year plus in the business, um, well-respected uh, thought leader, subject matter expert in that space. Um, host and guests on multiple podcasts, multiple web series, multiple webinars, um, just very well known in the industry and is, is joining us today to really talk about his perspective um, on what he's seen uh, from employees and employers when it comes to actually reaching out and connecting on that level. And then later when we talk about retention, keeping them there. So Kevin, without further ado, glad to have you. Glad that we are finally doing this. We've talked about it for years. Here we are together. Stage is yours. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I, I'm excited to be here. You know, and whenever I'm invited to speak, I, I always start by thanking the audience for for caring enough about the topic to join us. You know, we we all have a lot of choices with how we spend time in our lives, and you chose it to spend it here, uh, listening to Ben and I, which I think tells both of us you had a, a pretty big hole in your calendar today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, joking aside, I'm I'm grateful, I'm humble, and and we promise to make it worth your while. Ben just showed us some scary stats. Now they they may not be scary to, to everybody and and uh, um, or to Ben, but 
I'll tell you, those are terrifying numbers for me. Um, I'm not saying run for the hills, head down into the basement bunker. There's no way out. But my point's to say, well, these numbers are, are supremely scary to a business. I know I'm talking to a group of people who are perfectly positioned to help their company out. And you guys might not think that, which is why I've really been looking forward uh, to getting in front of you guys for a few weeks since Ben and I started talking about this. You know, on a, on a macro level, there's about 8 million people uh, who had a job about a year ago who don't now. And like Ben said, there really is kind of this divergence of, of has and, and have nots. Um, you know, in one case, and there's a, there's a huge skills gap um, or, or a child care, a parenting, a work from home, or excuse me, uh, a teach from home gap, which, which is keeping some people out of the labor market that really, really want to be in it. You know, I, I don't see it as a, I'd rather just sit home and collect unemployment. That happens on a small level, but, you know, really in large part, you have a number of people who are saying, do I want to do this with my life? And, and a lot of people are thinking of it right now. And they're thinking of it at exactly the same time. Like we all go through that in, in our lives, but uh, everybody's thinking of it right now. And that is what's making it really, really hard for, for HR leaders, recruiters, talent acquisition directors. With that, though, is, is an opportunity for growth. And by growth, I mean for you, you know, for you to prosper and get recognized and rewarded for your efforts. Uh, I'm not naive enough to think that everyone is 100% altruistic, or, you know, that they solely focus their efforts to benefit others. Um, or that Ben and I even have 100% of your attention right now. You know, in the, in the short <laughs> time we've been together, you've gotten a few phone calls, eight or 10 emails. If you're in an office, maybe an interruption by a coworker. If you're at home, you got a request to just make a grilled cheese sandwich. So <laughs> if, if you're half listening to us, that, that's perfectly okay. Um, but, you know, and, and if you are half listening, just note that a not insignificant portion of what we want to talk about today is really geared toward helping you, you positively drive results for your company so you can get rewarded, compensated, promoted for that effort. So as we're on the screen now, and, and we say that it starts with messaging, um, I, I've been in the, in the screening industry for 20 years, but my background is actually closer to yours than, than the industry I'm in right now. I, I originally came from radio and TV news and have a graduate degree in, in communications management, which now just means I, I remembered enough to, to be dangerous. Um, but what, what drew me to the topic today was what I saw as a really strong connection between the current business climate and what Marcom experts like yourselves could do to positively and dramatically drive benefits to the business. Now, you guys may be thinking, yeah, I'm thinking of that. I'm trying to do some of that now. And, and if you are, that's great. You're ahead of the curve. If We'll build off that. If you're not, this is a judgment-free zone. We'll, we'll get you up to speed. Um, and, and where I really see my insight working in the screening industry as, as a, a positive towards speaking to you today is, you know, we're, we're kind of at that end of the funnel, everything from a recruiting, a staffing, a development uh, of talent, um, all these initiatives kind of, kind of all funnel down to the screening. So we're, we're usually the first people to hear, Hey, I can't hire fast enough. Hey, is that screen done? Hey, I can't lose this candidate. They got three job offers at the same time. So screeners inadvertently kind of really sit at that nexus between challenges employers are having staffing their business 
and, and what that broader talent market looks like. Um, and I have a couple of the stats that, that we had looked at. Um, it, it's not the unemployment rate that really tells us whether business will be good or bad. That's, that's part of it. But it's that quits rate that's really the driving indicator. And, and Ben showed some of the growth and the rise in that number. Um, I saw something today about it going in some industries from 1.7% to 4.2%. And that, that's almost triple. So, you know, do the math in your building, depending on your industry. That's one in 25 people who are thinking of leaving you. That's a serious threat to the, to the, the operations of the business. Now, let's go back into your world. On your side of the building, you guys own the brand. And the brand isn't just communicating internally or externally with customers or stakeholders or, or media publications. You, you guys really uh, own and, and I hope cherish and take pride in having the responsibility on, on shaping how people feel about the organization. And, and remember, we all know how people feel drives how people act. You know, do, do they act positively, accepting a job or deciding to stay at a job or negatively leaving a job or even worse, leaving a job physically or mentally, but staying physically. A lot of that is controllable by you guys. Um, we're going to talk more in a minute about that disconnect between what employees think and what employers think employees think. But I want to quickly um, uh, discuss and build a little more foundation here on what the life of your HR colleagues the last year and a half has been, and then how your help fits within the role of corporate communications. And, and driving the company forward. So this is the life they've been living since March of last year. Their lives have sucked. <laughs> Super interesting intellectually, but intellectually interesting doesn't reduce the stress levels, the late nights, the early mornings, those intractable situations that they're faced with. You know, to, to do a quick recap, 15 months ago, they're tasked with shutting down the office if possible transitioning employees to a work from home model. Then they had to deal with furloughs or terminating a significant part of their employee base, especially if that business was based on selling to people who congregate in, in public areas. Uh, or maybe if they're on the other side, they had to deal with exponentially increasing staffing if their company was the beneficiary of a pandemic, the, the hand sanitizer, the gig employer uh, companies. Then internally, they had to tackle all of the, my coworker just coughed on me, policies. Um, navigating disputes inside the building. People who think the virus will kill them versus people who think the virus is a hoax. Throw in PPP applications. Fast forward to the fall. Now we're doing soft open openings physically, but parents have to homeschool their kids. Virtual meetings mandatory or not mandatory vaccination campaigns. And what do we do if 10 people in the factory don't want to get vaccinated and everybody's crapping on everybody else because of the choices they're making their, their personal lives. Um, every day I, I'll receive, I, I subscribe to a few emails from trade associations in the HR community, which lists out all the chatter that they're talking about and these networking groups where they're asking questions and getting answers from each other. A year ago, 99% Corona related chatter. Nothing about training, nothing about diversity, nothing about benefits, pay, payroll systems. It is 99%. What the heck am I doing here? And how do I do it? How are you handling that? And while that chatter's dialed down, 
we're still 50, 60% um, COVID related chatter. HR professionals are drowning and here's your opportunity to ride in on a white horse and help. So we talked about what their life was. Here's their life now, okay? Now it's how do we fill all these open positions? One of the key things we're here to talk about today, right? How do we fill all these open positions after we fired everyone last year and now those people went out and got new jobs? That's not to say the decisions they made a year ago are the wrong ones, right? It's what they had to do based on a very uncertain business climate and a very significant drop in business. But it had, but a 2020 problem and the tactics that they deployed has created a real 2021 challenge. Um, and, you know, and, and business leaders, they'll look inside of HR or recruiters or talent acquisition and they'll say, why can't we deliver to our customers? Why aren't these problems solved by now? Why are people leaving us? And it's just a really, really messy time. You know, if you can see this, you know, this is the latest issue of HR Magazine, the turnover tsunami. We've been talking about this in our space for three or four months, just waiting for it to happen. And, and it's here. Um, on the next slide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up for a moment to see what, what got us here. Um, and, uh, the, you know, these first two bullet points are kind of really interrelated with each other. Um, let's look at the second one. I'm not disparaging average efforts. Sometimes average effort is okay. Um, average efforts can sometimes generate above average results. Sometimes. The challenge now is everybody's trying to do it at the exact same time. So the script is flipped. Above average efforts now can barely generate only average results. See that change there? And, and I think a lot in the HR community is really struggling to find solutions within the confines of the existing ecosystem. And, and because the people with pencils are looking at this problem extremely closely, the CFOs, the CEOs, the sales leaders, the hiring managers, there's a lot of visibility into that part of the business right now. So then I put my corporate communications hat on, again, that hat that knows just enough to be dangerous. And, and I think of things, I think of campaigns that can demonstrate increased retention over a period of time using a previous benchmark, increasing applicants received, applications received over a previously benchmarked period, increased offer acceptances, reduced time to hire, time to fill. A couple of these are HR metrics that mean the same thing. We just interchange the words. You know, I think communications campaigns that help solve some of these problems are absolute home run solutions. And, and I, I don't think HR is always thinking of turning to you or tapping you guys on the shoulder. I, I think, and here, here's where I'm so optimistic about, the, about what can be. I think a lot of HR people are thinking that this is their problem to solve and, and they just have to do it through their own ecosystem and suite of solutions. And, and maybe you're not thinking of them either. You, you might, and you're here today because you want to accelerate that effort. And hopefully we're helping you with some of these ideas. But if you're not thinking about this connection already, I think it's a partnership that can really, really pay dividends. So let's, let's go back to that notion again for a second of what employees think and what employers think, employees think. So like I said at the beginning, corporate communications is, is the keeper of the flame, the, the keeper of the brand. 
Um, and, and I think this is a good lay of the land here. And we won't spend a lot of time on this slide, but, but I really think the power pendulum has shifted 180 degrees. It's no longer, I hope I don't get fired during a global pandemic when sales are down 40%. That's what employees were thinking a year, year and a half ago. Now it's, what do I want to do with my life? Which company will give me the best work from home flexibility? Is this even an industry that I want to be in right now? So while front and center, it's, I have open positions. I can't recruit. I had to close the doors of my business or cut my production hours, or I can't run a third shift, even though I have the orders to, um, it's, it's that and more. And I don't say it to scare. I say it to illustrate the opportunity to help because it is right now the, how do we fill open, open orders or how do we fill open position, open requisitions, right? For our hiring teams. But it is becoming that, that turnover tsunami. Um, and of course, what we do benefits both ways. If I can hire more, but my people are running out the business, faster, I, I'm in no better shape than I was before. And not only am I in no better shape, you can argue that I'm in worse shape because I've lost all that institutional knowledge. Yeah, somebody accepted my job offer and they start in two weeks. But one of my best people who's been here for five years just left. And, and that is not a one-to-one -one comparison. Um, so let's now look about how, how HR is changing. What are the things HR is, is starting to think of? So HR is changing and, and so should you, we can help with this. Um, and again, this is what's so exciting. This is the cool stuff. You're not wasting your creative communication talents on messaging that says, come work with us because our healthcare premiums are 4% lower than our competitors or that you offer competitive wages and benefits. And yes, I'm using air quotes here for everyone that wants to pay competitive wages and get above average results. This is where Marcom experts, you guys get to talk about what I think are some really cool things for your company, what it is or what it's pivoting to become. You know, HR doesn't know how to weave creative concepts that you guys can, can help them with into messaging campaigns that attracts or retain workers as well as you guys know. They're out there working with their applicant tracking systems or Indeed or LinkedIn and they're sharing the best message they have to recruit talent the best way they know how. Where I see underutilization is um, those campaigns aren't as strategic or high-end or creative. They're not as persuasive as the things that, that you guys can do. And I see things that, that your organizations do or IKEA Communications may help you with. And they are really cool concepts. And they're things that, for me, they move the needle. And for people recruiting, I just don't think they have the, the capacity or expertise to craft those messages the way they can with, with your support. Um, and what's the best part? If I go back to the idea of how this can benefit you, your departments personally, because it's such an extremely quantifiable time, it's a great professional portfolio opportunity for you, each of you watching or listening today, because of the numerical results that you can create. So as, as we kind of wrap up, you know, this portion of the hour together, or am I, you know, 15, 20 minutes soliloquy here, uh, a hand-in-hand -hand partnership 
with a team inside of your building that is really struggling and quite frankly, running on fumes. They've been sprinting for 15 months. I really think that can and will have a meaningful impact on the business, you know, especially if your competitors aren't doing this or, or internally, they're just whipping that horse, expecting it to run faster and they can't understand why it isn't. The horse is tired. HR is tired. You know, you guys are the relief pitchers. All right. Bad metaphor times over. Now, now Ben's going to share some thoughts on, on how to create and, and deliver some of those messages. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin, you're, uh, I think I'm, 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 I'm driving so I can go back a couple slides if I, if I want, well, maybe I can't, um, the slide that you had up there, um, about what HR has been through in, uh, in the last 16 months, it, I, I kind of like, I panicked for a second, then breathed a sigh of relief because it was like, that's a lot to look at. And when you're, I'm, there's no whole new challenges. It'll be interesting to see the next 16 months. But when you're on the other side of it, it's like, we have come through, companies have come through uh, so much. Um, and I think very rarely, we talked about this in the last webinar, I think very rarely do companies actually stop for a minute and just realize and consider what they've come through. Do you see that? Do you find that a lot? I know you're kind of, you're, you're on the front line a lot of times, you know, you're, you're seeing, you're, you're seeing that like minute to minute. Um, there's no time. I'm, I'm assuming there's no time for celebration in your world. Uh, it's on to the next, right? There, I mean, it's, yeah. it's that fast pace. It, it, it really is. And like you said, Ben, it, you know, no one's really stopping to look around and see where we came from and where we are now. Um, they may be patting themselves on the back a little bit because they know the problems that they may have created or the solutions that they deployed. I don't know if their broader organization does, but what's real interesting about that question, Ben, is I think all of us, whether we're a job applicant, um, an employee who's looking to leave, an employee who's looking to stay or work with their partners, I, I think there is a, um, how do I want to say it? There's a much lower tolerance for mediocrity. Um, we've all had to figure out how do we work and work from home, collaborate virtually, teach our kids how to carry the one, make grilled cheese while we're on a Zoom call. And, and we're saying to ourselves, our vendors, our partners, our coworkers, I figured it out. I need you too as well. So that to me, when you say, hey, you know, the last 16 months, the next 16 months, I, I'm really, really interested on, and I hate to use the phrase because we hear it all the time, the new normal. Are we going to kind of revert back to 2018, 2019? Or, or are we really just exponentially powering through from a productivity and accomplishment uh, standpoint and saying, hey, this is what I want. They're like, I found out I could do this. I found out my team could do this. That's really cool. Like mediocrity stinks. We're not going to be mediocre anymore. I'm pumped. I'm jazzed. Let's go. Let's go accomplish things. That's going to be really cool to watch. Or do we take yeah. a 16 month nap? <laughs> We're going to do one of those well, two things. I'm just not sure which. I think you're, um, so I think you're, you're nod to the new normal. I, I, I never thought about it from the perspective of the numbers of the normal. So we you know, we may go back to, to normal numbers, you know, and numbers never lie. And you know, that that's going to dictate, I think what we won't go back to is a normal way of doing business in the sense of, I think now companies are kind of just going to have 
they're going to be at the ready for anything. And I think the companies that I see are thriving are the ones that didn't think the that March 2021 was an end point. Yeah. It, because I think people thought they were going to hit that. And it was like, okay. And I'm not saying anybody thought it would go back to normal. It's like they, they, they thought in their mind, let's get to this point. Whereas companies that are like, okay, let's get to that point and be ready for the next is is where we're kind of going here so the numbers might go back to normal but i think companies staying flexible and and needing to stay um you know uh you know kind of ready for anything so to speak um is what we're going to see so that that's where i find things are going to be pretty interesting yeah and and another thing that i've i've noticed and this is a change i think will be here to stay and and listen you know ben and i like we'll only keep you guys till about 3 30 and then you can leave um <laughs> Uh, I, I see a lot of organizations that are now really embracing best of breed solutions. Now, that's not a new phrase, but historically, I think a lot of organizations will say, okay, whatever it is I want to accomplish and just list out the accomplishments, uh, I'm going to build a team to go do it myself. And maybe I do it great. Maybe I do it mediocre. Maybe I do it bad, but time tells um, and I'm just going to do it myself. And I think a lot of companies, when I get back to that, that lack of tolerance, um, we're more impatient. I think organizations are looking inward at whatever bucket of work they're trying to do. And they're saying, I'm really good at this and I'm going to do this with my team. Uh, I'm not really good at this, so I'm going to ask somebody else to do it. And, and they're, they're really just looking for the best way to do something because the only thing we can't get back is time. I don't have six months to figure out whether I'm good enough to do it myself. I got like six weeks to figure it out and then I got to go. Am I going to do it myself or am I going to find a friend? That's, that's a great, that's a great transition for us for, to, to kind of slide into this next piece, because I think it's interesting. You know, I talked at a personal branding conference a couple of weeks ago about the importance of failing and failing fast. Whereas it used to be like, well, I can't mess this up. Now it's like, if you're going to mess it up, let's hurry up. And it's like, we don't have that time to do it. We, you know, we need to be able to move quickly and adjust quickly. And I think when you look at it from this perspective and, you know, I, I have one slide cause I, I wanted to kind of condense this and give Kevin a lot of the time here. Um, but I put a lot on one slide. So it's a little bit more than you're probably used to seeing for me. Um, but I thought it would be helpful to look at this from a generational standpoint, as we've been talking in previous presentations that, you know, it's not just the message. Kevin drilled down and covered a lot, which I took a lot of notes on. And one thing that he mentioned that it really resonated with me is, you know, um, above uh, average is not generating the above average results. You know, it's like it all shifted. Now above average is, you know, that's table stakes. Um, and Absolutely. that goes that goes into play here with the different channels because trying to shove everything through one channel and trying to recruit because the interest of time is not as no, you don't, you don't have that luxury anymore, but at the same time, you don't have the luxury of time. So how do you do all of this time message? Uh, make sure you're hitting the right things. Uh, make sure that you're uh, supporting HR in the right way, in the best way possible. So I looked at this from a channel perspective and I, I found a tremendous breakdown, um, which I <clears throat> synthesized here for this slide on how to approach recruiting to different generations. So I looked at it from the sense of a couple of things. One, you know, we could talk channels, like specific, literal, like contact management, which we will. We could talk about that all day long, but there's some specifics and not just, channel is no longer just the device. It's how they're looking at it, how they're responding, what you're saying in addition to the actual device. Because I think for a long time, people saw this as the channel or this is the channel. Now a lot goes into play and in how you get the most out of that channel. So we're going to take a look at that. 
So I did just like I did last time. I looked at there's five active generations, um, but we're going to look at, at the, the the four that make up 98% of the workforce. So the the first is up first up's baby boomers, and and the channel consideration there is realizing that traditional still matters. I think a lot of times um, people think like, well, I got to do all these new and different way. Well, no, sometimes you have to still have the traditional uh, approach to applying for a job. And, and obviously there's how you address the job and the job description and all that is I'm taking that out of play, but how people are, are finding out about work. And an example is targeted ads for targeted returns. You, you know, you're thinking about, um, you know, a, an ad, a specific ad or uh, a billboard or something like that, that's going to reach a very specific group that serves a purpose. It serves a very real purpose and your metrics and your, your anticipation of those metrics is going to be higher. Don't sell yourself short because you think you're not going to reach everybody. You might get a high return in this, in this group, baby boomer specifically. And what they're looking for some things, and we talked a lot around messaging, but you know, Kev had that slide about how employees are looking at this. And from a baby boomer standpoint, flexibility and benefits, that's not a surprise. That's not a huge surprise, but a lot of companies are like, oh, if I just had a 20 hour person, or if I just had, you know, a, a six month contract, these people are out there. They, they want the, you know, they're, they're this flexibility this group that is pursuing and looking for flexibility is there. And this is something that baby boomers really, really value. Um, and one thing to know as you're thinking about how you're going to be phrasing that messaging and, and thinking about it in the channel, get to the point. Um, they don't want a lot of the, this, that, that, this, they, they want to know what's the job. What's my role? What do you need for me? And that's actually a luxury from a communication standpoint, because you can just get to the point a lot faster. So some things to keep in mind for the baby, the baby boomers, Gen X. Yes, I'm biased to Gen X. You guys know this. Um, I am Gen X and they nailed this article nailed how you should talk to them and how you should reach them direct channel. We, we have enough digital savviness. We kind of came in as, you know, we're the first ones with our AOL, AOL profiles. Um, but we also are moving, have been conditioned to move quick. So get to me directly. You can use the digital channel to do it, but get it to me quick. Like if, if you, hey, you interested in this? Yeah, what are next steps? Um, that's how you can really think. And it uh, lends itself to a little bit more of a recruiting standpoint or one-off standpoint, but the returns are higher. And what you're looking for there, what we're looking for there, consistency, from consistency of message, doesn't have to be consistency in job, trust me. I The thing I miss the most is every day was different. Um, now every day is different, but the same because I'm in my dining room. But that consistency of, am I working for this company? What do they expect from me? What's my role? Let me step in it very much like, tell me what we're doing, be consistent about it. I'm gonna come in and make a difference. Partner with stability. You know, Gen X is, is, is very picky in terms of trying to have that stability. They don't want to be seen as wasting their time on something that's going to be, you know, changing here or there. Not afraid of change, not afraid to fail fast, but that stability of don't reward me for failing fast one day and then, you know, give me a negative performance review the next. You know, let's be, let's be consistent. Let's build a stable uh, position here. And, and um, Ben, one, I'd, I'd add one yeah. thing to Generation X too is, is resiliency. Um, Great point. You know, you can throw a lot at us um, right now. Many of us are in the sandwich generation. We're taking care of kids. We're taking care of parents. Yeah. Um, but that that direct approach, I I really liked. You know, hey, just like let's let's cut through what's there. You know, we we survived on MTV and SpaghettiOs. You know, you can throw yes. us in a in a bunker. We're <laughs> like a cockroach. We'll, we'll, yeah, latch, we're latchkey kids. We'll outlive you all. Um, you know, just level with us, and uh, we can handle everything. 
<laughs> anything. Yeah. And we're the smallest group uh, of these four, of course. And I always look at the, I joke with my best friend all the time. Uh, he's the same age as I am. And the one thing to know about this is we're built to lead, but don't hold us up. That's a nice way of saying, just get out of the way type yes. of thing where we kind of look at it as like, they're not the group that's going to step on toes or want that actively seeks to step on toes. They're the reluctant leaders. They're the ones that are like, you know what? I'm going to do it because I don't trust you to do it. And if you would have done it, then I, they're the ones that are stepping in. If you want them to leave, do it, but then get out of the way. And to appeal to them in that regard, which right now a lot of people need, like Kevin said, moving quickly, the chance to, you would really appeal to Gen X to be like, we want to bring you in, stable position, consistency. We know you're going to, and then we're going to get out of the way and just let you go. That's music to Gen X's ears. So um, enough, about, enough about us, Kevin. We'll, we'll We'll get into the millennials, the largest working group in the organization or in uh, in the workforce right now. Um, channel consideration, digital, no surprise there. Any any form of digital. Um, but the big thing here, and I started presenting on millennials probably six years ago, um, six, seven years ago, talking about how you can build an organization that really gets the most out of millennials. Yeah, I talked about this then and I will talk, they, they talked about it in the article here and I loved it. Promote the whole and the whole, meaning the whole organization. They don't they don't want to know, they don't want the spotlight. They want to be part of something, but they also want to feel it in a way they're creating value. Like, what's my role? What's my what's my cog? How do I help advance for the better of the organization? And if you can focus on, yes, you're helping the whole, but you specifically are special, special in this role are going to be moving that whole. Those two things combined are going to make huge advancements if you're trying to reach this group. And it's no surprise that as you talk about what they're looking for, relationships. I could put relationships three times on here and you would get the point, but that's the biggest. Connections, they want to connect more than anybody. They will be the first ones to go to after work events. Uh, they, they, that's what they're seeking out. And mentorships. Here's the interesting thing, Kev, I'll be interested in what you have to say about this. From a mentorship standpoint with millennials, it used to be seeking mentorships. But as that first wave of millennials hits 40, they're actually kind of at this tipping point where they see themselves as the mentors. They're a little reluctant in it because they still see themselves as learning, but they're starting to want to give back in that mentorship role. Are you seeing that? Yeah. And I like how you said that tipping point. It's like, the like holy crap, I'm the mentor now. Um, right. Because there's still so many people I can, I can learn from, um, you know, the CEO of, of my old organization is probably in his mid to late seventies right now. And he's an extremely valuable resource for me. Uh, yet I will do uh, networking events at, at John Carroll, where I went to school a couple times a year. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I graduated before those kids were born. Um, so really that, that is kind of that weird dynamic. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And back to that point of the hole in the hole, they want the career path, you know, one thing to know, they want the career path and it plays off perfectly with what Kevin was talking about with the mentorships, but not how we define. I think we mean Gen X or maybe traditional leadership. We might put them on this career path that you're gonna go here, then here, then here, then here. They see themselves staying in the organization, but they're not gonna go up a ladder. They might yeah. go out in a circle. Like they might jump into a different category, reskill and stay part of the organization. So a career path is we want you as part of our organization on your terms in a way that you can grow and advance. So keep that in mind from not just the channel, but how you're triggering that in the channel. Yeah. Much of my thoughts on, um, Hey, uh, my excitement on speaking to this group was pointing out how this group can personally and individually benefit 
that's how that group band that you're talking about feels. Yeah, absolutely. So Gen Z, uh, Gen Z, I love Gen Z. They're going to change everything. Um, it's a digital world from a channel. And you might think, well, digital, yeah, that's what you said about millennials. No, no, no. I mean, digital everything. You know, it's not just uh, traditional digital channels. They want to find out about your company. They want every, they want benefit. They want, they want every single thing on a digital channel. It's, they view, I think I talked about this in the last session. As a matter of fact, I know I did. They don't view in person as shaking hands in person. This is in person to them. They live in a digital world. So thinking about how everything becomes digitized and, and digitalized is a really big part of how you should be approaching the channels for Gen Z. What they're looking for, as I said, they're gonna change everything, anything. Any, anything can go, approach them, uh, recruit them, talk about different positions. They're gonna not going to go through traditional channels of college. Um, they are ready to go immediately. They have been brought up thinking, we're gonna go in, we're gonna contribute, I'm here to lead. They kind of have a little bit of Gen X in them with that regard, but they want that immediate chance to contribute. And when they, when you think about one thing to know about talking to them, they're huge on benefits, but not in the boomers benefits mode. They see benefits as work from home, um, a lot more flexibility. Um, are you going to pay for my reskilling opportunity? Um, are you going to reward me with a vacation if I do this? It's a lot more non-traditional benefits that they're looking for. They look at the whole package versus that salary and then the benefits. Um, and that's a, and I, we could go really deep into any of these, but to kind of you know summarize it for this topic, these are just meant to be some things that you can kind of keep in mind as you're approaching these channels because we don't want to just blanket all of our um, potential employees. There's that delineation out there that we can really start to apply some of these things to target specific generations. So Kev, time check. We are at 148. We got 12 minutes. We have a little less than that if we cut people about four or three minutes. So fortunately for you and me, this is the lightning round part because you and I are talking right. about going to bounce back and forth a little bit here around retention, which I know you personally are very passionate about, especially because if I can throw one more stat at everybody, one more number that got us here, employees are the number one stakeholder. And Kev talked about this early on about how it's tipped a little bit or shouldn't say tipped, it's tipped a lot. And that 180 now employees are the most important aspect. And that's from the Edelman Trust Barometer. That's a very trusted um, uh, industry report that we look at. And so how can we start to build our organizations to be focused on that? So we, we, we did, so Kevin and I did this, we came up with three things to balance um, recruiting with retention. And he has a couple of points and I have a couple of points and we'll go lightning round on this. But the first is take a moment to recognize employees. So I'm going to let Kev go first on this one. Yep. Um, people are tired of hearing how valuable that they are. Um, actions speak louder than words. And just don't call them a hero unless you're going to treat them uh, as a hero. Uh, make it count meaningful and money are not always the same thing. Ben said it better than I could about three minutes ago. The, uh, it's not just cash. Uh, that they're, uh, Especially when you get into the millennial and uh, Generation Z, they're interested in more than just dollars in their pocket. And everybody is always communicating. That's one of those things I still take from my graduate program. Um, whether, whether you're actively talking, actively listening, you know, are, are, are your eyes and ears open? Are you hearing what they're saying? And there's a role for you to play. Is that message good or is it a bad one? 
Yeah, those are really good points. And so from my perspective, you know, building on those, um, looking at it from a what about me standpoint, um, I think sometimes we forget the importance and value of thank you and just rec being recognized and recognizing what we've actually gone through. Um, your employees that are current, they're building and selling the story that you're pitching to potential employees. Today, everybody knows everybody. It's three degrees of separation on LinkedIn. It's going to take one person to be like, hey, tell me about this company. Oh, you definitely, they, listen, this is a place they value their employees. They're talking. You, you know that already, but but they are. And keep it simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, I've seen, I saw a lot of people returning to the office, food trucks, ice cream. They, those are special things. It, 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 how do you take that down to a one-on-one -on -one level? Uh, a handwritten note, um, calling somebody's, you know, sending them a gift card for them to take their family after. Hey, sorry for taking your dad away or your mom away uh, from the family for so long. Um, these are really simple and special ways to connect. Telling their spouse and just an idea I had in my head. Uh, if, if you know this, if you're personal enough, telling their spouse or significant other uh, how valuable, valuable they are, that contribution. Yes, you're telling the spouse, but how good does that make that person feel? Um, right. Just be human. Be human. Yeah. So uh, uh, one of my favorite yeah, things. Yeah, listening, right? Be yeah, human. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, hit hit on it before. Um, we're we're all burning it on both ends. Um, in 45 minutes, you know, I'm putting the parent hat back on. In a couple hours, may wear the caregiver hat. People are in a lot of different places in in any given day and extend a lot of grace to them. Um, you know, they're they're having conversations, uh, like like Ben had just said. Uh, one LinkedIn post. That's more than just two people talking to each other. It could be 200 people watching that and following that conversation. Um, and as uh, sometimes I learned from my wife, you don't need a problem to be solved. You just need to be there to listen. That's it. Just they, they, they want to, they want to blow off steam. They just want to tell a story. Just shut up and listen. Yeah. Well, and listening, you know, what, what do you want to know? I think sometimes from the listening, the, the hard part's getting the questions right. You know, cause employees are going to tell you what, what they want you to hear. But thinking about putting it about them, this is that second point. How do you make it about them? There's the things that you should be most focused on right now outside of obviously shortages are how to keep it from you know, being furthering that labor shortage. How do you make it about them? What questions will tailor it so they know that you're asking about them? And then how do you keep it actionable? Um, I think the biggest thing here is always thinking, think small, think fast. Um, you might have a, an issue that might be need six, eight months to, to, to resolve, be resolved, but what can you do in the first two weeks to show that you listened and are acting? I think sometimes that goes longer than even the longer term solution with the place. Like, oh, they actually listen. You actually took my advice. You actually do it. You know, sometimes that goes a long way. So making sure that we're doing active listening. Yeah. So we're celebrating. Let's celebrate, Kev. Yeah. You know, they, you, they've, they've chosen to work for you or they've chosen to stay with you or they've chosen to advance through the interview process. Uh, celebrated for, for what it is, honor that. Uh, the people who are there, they can be your greatest ambassadors. What drew them in? Let's, let's do case studies, infographics, white papers, testimonials. What can we use to promote? What can we use to show others? Because uh, now it's not just you as the HR manager trying to convince somebody to work. It's the person two floors over. You know, They get to tell you. That opinion, that independent opinion is a lot more valuable than the person trying to recruit you. Um, leverage that, leverage the ambassadors you have inside of the building um, and titles. Like we're all coming out of this, whether, whether we're the intern or the, um, you know, the new associate member 
five years out of college, two years out of college, or whether we're the person that's the lifer, they've been at the company for 20 years. We're all as human beings kind of living in the same world right now. And let's, let's recognize us, not for our differences, but for our similarities. Yeah. And when we talk about celebrate, I think sometimes people think it's a party, but there's other ways to celebrate. You can celebrate, you know, I know it's the obvious anniversary, birthday, but there's also little things that if you have, you know, initiatives internally, you're finding ways for employees to recognize each other. Um, these are little things that you can celebrate on a daily basis that don't have to have a huge party, but still are finding ways to recognize. I haven't here make it a family thing. This is my DE&I plug because we talk about, Kevin and I talked about spouses in the, in the previous, previous point. But I think when you, we think about families right now, if you were ever going to revisit how you recruit for or retain employees and creating a safe spot or accepting place for your organization is how you look at families and looking past what is, has long been considered a traditional way of doing it or traditional way of viewing a family or promoting for a family is families look a lot different as they should and be an accepting and encouraging of that and making it more about family in general. Um, I think that's a really nice time to actually start to do that both from a retention standpoint and a recruiting standpoint. And then the celebration fact is that that is so contagious. How do you create a program that allows employees to show the love to other employees and coworkers? Because remember, millennials are the largest percentage in the workforce right now. And you know what they care about? That their coworker gets recognition. So if you're creating a chance for them to reward and recognize other employees, you're speaking directly to them. So spread the love, make that celebration contagious. So our last takeaway, so we went quick because we're out of time. We do want to give you guys a couple minute buffer. The big thing here for us as you went through those things is to understand those are from a communications perspective. And you might be thinking there's a lot of things from operations and a, an administrative standpoint. If we are called into organizations thinking more integrated and bringing communications and marketing into the society, into the decision factors, those are a lot of ways to impact organizations from that standpoint. Communication is to, the most important thing is to communicate to the most important audience. Well, right now, for a lot of organizations, that's employees or potential employees. So what can we as communicators do to step up and help lead that effort? Hopefully, we were able to give you um, a lot of tools to take back to the organization as you start to challenge, take on these challenges and, and uh, offer up communications and marketing services to help HR, they need it, as Kevin said in that first section. Um, but if there's questions or thoughts, we, we didn't leave any time for questions, I apologize about that. But if there's anything that you guys wanna connect on, my info's in here, Kevin's info's in here, you can go directly to either one of us, we're happy. Obviously we're very passionate about this topic and especially helping companies with a very real challenge right now. Kevin, closing comments, I'll let you wrap us up. Thank you very much. We finally got to do this together. I'm so glad we made it work. Final comments to you. Thanks as well to you and everyone who gave us the time to be here today. Uh, I would say, go find a friend inside of your building. Ask them how you can help them solve their problems. Quantify and benchmark it ahead of time. Measure the results of the campaigns you create and go be a hero. Collect the rewards. Thanks everybody. Great, well said. Thank you guys. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks for giving us the time. Thank you.